Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thank you, Billy, and welcome to yet another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. Today, well, our conversation being led by our own Casey Shepard. Casey had a chance to jump on the Zoom and talk with country music singer and songwriter Jamie Johnson, who's got some strong country roots from the southeastern part of our United States, from Alabama. He was early on influenced by folks like Willie Nelson, Alan Jackson, Alabama, and others. Jamie Johnson grew up on a farm. In fact, uh, he grew up watching his dad try to make a living on a family farm in the southeast. His family eventually lost that farm. So Jamie Johnson understands why it's important to advocate for farmers and ranchers and understand the struggles that farmers and ranchers do face. Casey Shepard talking with Jamie Johnson here in just a few moments on today's Road to Rural Prosperity. We're being powered today by the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center. And we're back with Casey and Jamie in just a few moments. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. Something new today on the road to rural prosperity. We're visiting with country legend and singer-songwriter Jamie Johnson from his home in Nashville. Jamie Johnson, welcome to the show. Legend is a strong word for it, but thanks. (laughs) Jamie's been in the, uh, the music industry for a really long time as a singer and a songwriter. But let's start because you have really good ties to agriculture and farming community. So let's talk about where you grew up. Tell us the story of little Jamie Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My family lived in Troy, Alabama when I was born. Um, We moved to Montgomery. I guess I was probably three years old. We lived in a rural, uh, which is hard to say with too many R's, rural part of Montgomery. And my dad started growing food. Right, at, right on the land out there, and we we had all kinds of all kinds of different things that we grew out there. Peas, we had uh, figs. I remember butter beans. He just he, he would grow anything. We had we had trees uh, like apple trees, uh, pear trees, plum trees. Uh, I remember watermelons so big you couldn't hardly tote them. And, and I'm talking about me as a as a you know four year old or or whatever, watermelon big as I was out there. (laughs) (laughs) 
zucchinis and tomatoes and okra. Man, we to me, it seemed like we had it all. You know, we we had everything. I remember, uh, oh, Mr. Phillips. Mr. Phillips was an inventor uh, of sorts, and uh, he was a chain smoker. Like he lit a cigarette with another cigarette, <laughs> and he would invent these little contraptions and gadgets. He worked on like radios, TVs, and all that sort of stuff to make money. He invented us a machine that would shell a pea. And you've never seen a happier bunch of youngins in all your life. We used to sit on the porch with, with bucket fulls of uh, peas, shelling peas. <laughs> and after a while, you know, the holes start digging into your thumbnails. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Watching- it's, it's never ending, too. You feel like you're never going to get finished. You wonder why do we need so many damn peas? <laughs> what are we doing with all these peas? Uh, but he brought us this machine where you just fed the whole, you know, the the whole uh, pea pod and everything through there, and it would separate the pod from the peas. But but Daddy used to uh, trade with those. You know, he he'd take bags of, of frozen produce and trade it for meat and. And that sort of thing. Well, I have but, to ask, I mean, is he famous? Did he market that pea shell or is he like a super wealthy man now? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he never was wealthy. But if I had to, if I had to guess, I'd say he, he had plenty put away in reserve and he was one of the sweetest old men I believe I've ever been around. You know, Those he, are the best ones. I had a, a couple of German shepherds, that, <laughs> which I'm kind of walking down a tangent right there, but that those dogs were just, they were big as a Volkswagen. <laughs> he had two of them. They lived in the house. And when you walked in the house, it smelled like a German shepherd that smoke lived here. <laughs> <laughs> so farming, all that to say this farming, especially small family farming, uh, has, has been a part of my life since I was uh, real young. Since, you know, my first, my earliest memories are tractors, tilling up dirt, seeds, irrigation, and, uh, and just walking these, these fields that, uh, somehow felt like home, you know, the fields themselves, it all felt like home. We, we lived right there in the middle of it. So my heart goes out to family farmers that do this for a living, that this is how they, they not only feed their family, but how they feed our family too, how they feed the rest of us. And those guys, I heard one farmer uh, say that uh, being an owner of a family farm farm these days was a lot like playing poker, except you got a hundred bucks and the guy you're playing against has got a million. Yep. Basically talking about the uh, the, the corporate farmer and what the, the, the bucks he's referring to is land. You might have a hundred acres. What are you going to do with the guy across town? Uh, the, the big corporate uh, farm that's got 50,000 acres. They got land here, land there, land over there. They got so much land and they're, they're farming every bit of it. You're trying to do things uh, above board. You're trying to follow the letter of the law. You're trying to do things that are also safe and clean and they don't have to play by the same rules. They make the rules. Well, so you, you actually got in the middle of it. You grew up on a farm and I'm guessing that your daddy made you work. Yeah. Well, made is a strong word for that too. You know, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to be just like my dad. I was right there with him, man. They grab two buckets, buckets load. I'm, I'm going to grab my bucket load and see if I can't drag it over there and help him. You know, 
yeah, I, I loved it. I, again, I, I just, from, from early on, I, I kind of envisioned myself doing the same thing he did, whatever it was. Do you think that if you'd kept farming, um, it would have led you down? Like, could you be doing that instead of being a, a country artist? Um, well, passions being what they were, I don't know that I would have survived. <laughs> I think, I think at some point the, the music was, was calling me out one way or the other. Uh, there's, there doesn't seem to be another line of work. I could have been happy enough in to ignore it. It was, uh, I always knew I needed to do this. Well, and that's kind of, you know, most farmers that, that farm, like the, the family farms that you're talking about, those are people that have to be passionate about it because you don't really make any money at it and you have to be really good at it all the time. And you're providing something that's so, so important. If you're not passionate about it, you'd, you'd lose your mind. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's family farmers that have had this information, this, uh, this skill passed down for generations. Those are the ones we need on the farm, you know, and I, and I know there's other ones that have, have, uh, have grown up around it and, and basically started their own, you know, generational farm. They're, they're the first generation of it. They decided to start their own farming legacy. It's important to me that the little guy gets a shot. Absolutely. It's important to me that, that these people who, who are, have the heart for it, have the desire and the passion for it, that they, they get an opportunity to succeed and, and that farming doesn't turn into something that's just for the, the super wealthy and, and just for the, the corporations. It's, it's got to be for the rest of us too. You know, the cost of farming is through the roof. The rewards are in the basement. Well, let's talk a little bit about how you got off the farm and into Nashville. How did that even start? I mean, I know growing up on a family farm, I had plenty of time and opportunity to try my singing voice on the tractor uh, while I was hauling hay. <laughs> that takes hours, so you've got plenty of opportunities to work on your craft there. How did you end up off the farm? Yeah, if you don't sound good singing on a tractor, you probably ought to quit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. I don't know the, the, the path from there to, to Nashville is kind of a long story, but uh, the abbreviated version is this. We, we didn't get to keep that land for very long and, and we were doing other things. You know, my dad got into the uh, uh, retail industry because farming, because that, that just wasn't a sustainable income. That just wasn't a way to, to live. He had a, had had several jobs as you know, manager of this, assistant manager of that uh, retail and, and drug stores. He was a, a manager of a super X drugs back in the uh, early seventies. And so he, he always kind of had that background too. farming. Wasn't one of those things that at least not for somebody with low income you could tap into at the time. This was during the farmer crisis of the eighties when we had that, that little spot of land. So, you know, the, the, the farming crisis of the 80s is exactly why Farm Aid was created. So it, it was a really rough time for, for somebody to try to begin a farm, uh, farm business. And then you're going to try to begin a, a musical career in the midst of all of after all this? <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> my love affair with music started around uh, 85, 86, right as uh, Farm Aid is uh, taking off. I'm, I'm sitting in a trailer in South Alabama learning how to play a guitar. I loved Willie Nelson. 
just like every other kid my age back then. I I loved Willie Nelson. I just loved him. He was you know he was bigger than than any comic book hero could ever hope to be for me. He was he was us. You know he was us with a big name and a big megaphone. Man, he he there wasn't there wasn't a single person that I knew that wasn't a Willie Nelson fan. You know when he put out a new song, we were over all all over. We loved him. So. I was paying attention when, when Farm Aid started and been paying attention ever since. When I got the call in 2008 to go play my first Farm Aid, I, I canceled shows to do it. It was, it was important. You know, I, there wasn't anything that was going to keep me from Farm Aid. <laughs> Nothing. Well, so when you finally get to Farm Aid and you get to meet Willie Nelson, did you act ridiculous about it? Did you fangirl Willie Nelson? <laughs> oh, sure. Um, so the first time I met Willie was at a show in Auburn, Alabama in 1997. I had my guitar at the time, Old Maple, for about two years. And uh, Willie was the first uh, artist that I'd ever asked to sign my guitar. I grabbed my guitar out of the car and waited in line outside his bus that night. And uh, after a little while went by, he, he got off the bus and came out there. And, and he signed autographs and shook hands with everybody that was out there. And I mean, it was a ton of folks too. It, the line out there to meet Willie was just about as long as the line was to get into the venue. So he signed my guitar, but the, the year's worth of putting it in and out of the case, the lining inside the case, you know, the fur lining or whatever, it's not even fur, it's some sort of poly blend, I'm sure, but it just wiped all that ink off. And so I lost my Willie Nelson autograph over the years. Oh no. And so when I met him again in 2008, uh, at Farm Aid, I had him sign my guitar again, <laughs> and he he grabbed it and signed it. Uh, the first first couple of weeks worth of shows I did after that, I started seeing people in the front row, with their heads, you know, they'd lean over sideways and dip their head upside down. They was trying to read that autograph. <laughs> w- Willie had signed my guitar upside down, <laughs> and so you know I. I was still drinking a little bit back then. So when they, they'd lean, I'd just kind of lean with them. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on how much you'd had to drink. (laughs) Yeah. What are y'all looking at? (laughs) Uh, When did, when did you realize that the songs that you were writing were really, really good and that you could make money in the music business? Or are we still waiting? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've I've known people to make money in the music business. <laughs> Personally, I think it's a myth. <laughs> um, I, I knew I knew that uh, my songs were valuable to me. I didn't know they would also be valuable to somebody else. I knew that I loved country music, and that this was something I wanted to at least try. And if it didn't work, I was happy to go back into construction or you know, one of those other jobs that I'd had, but the way I saw it, you can always do that. Sure. If, if this doesn't work, I, I gave it a hundred percent. I did everything I, I, I felt in my heart that was necessary for me to kind of get my start in, in, in the music business. And, you know, it's been over 20 years since I moved to Nashville and, uh, and I got my first, song on my first cut was in 2004 my first song cut as a 
as a writer. That led to a, a record deal and my first song on the radio in 2005. Five years is a, is a lot of work to put in to begin something. Sure. So, Do you prefer being a songwriter or a performer? I don't think I could ever pick one over the other. And so I've always done both. And I still write songs that it doesn't mean, you know, I, I love the songs and, you know, I may not be ready to go in the studio and record, or maybe I don't particularly think I'll, I'll sound good singing that one. And so I, I write songs all the time, send them to Willie or George Strait, you know, the, where it's, it's a good song and somebody who's going in the, in the studio to record, uh, might like to have it. So I, I'd, I'd rather do that sometimes than I would you know, hoard them up and wait until I get in, uh, get time to go in and record. So I guess when, when, when somebody like King George Strait, I mean, the legend of all legends, right. Picks your songs to record. That's got to feel pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, King George <laughs> or King Willie. That's, a, That's I, right. I, I haven't had a, a, a bad selection of artists to, <laughs> to pick from when it comes to, uh, recording my songs and, and uh, the word honor is an understatement. It feels like my my sense of purpose has been validated. There's a there's no greater feeling not not for any songwriter than to have your hero record your song. That that's that's a good pat on the back from from somebody you've been listening to your whole life. You know, it lets you know you you did something good. Absolutely. We're visiting with country singer Jamie Johnson on the road to rule prosperity. We'll be back after these messages. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. Back with Jamie Johnson on the road to rural prosperity. We talked a little bit about uh, legendary Willie Nelson, who's the starter of Farm Aid with Neil Young and a lot of other folks. Why did you feel like this was such an important thing? I mean, you talked about watching it as a little boy earlier, but how did you know that it was something you just had to be involved with? Well, Farm Aid over the years uh, has, has been a, a really successful uh, charity. Uh, they've raised over $60 million to help small family farms. Well, $60 million in the grand scheme of things is a drop in the bucket of what's needed. Sure. And so Farm Aid has not uh, been able to sustain all small family farmers. But what they do, they help the ones that they can, and they provide hope to the ones that they can't. I think if I were on the farm right now working uh, day in and day out, and, and feel like I'm fighting the dragon, I would want to know that I got somebody on my side. Sure. That I got somebody not just 
you know, talking about it, but, but raising awareness of it and trying to help when these situations come before Congress where Congress could actually do something. And I think that it would be uh, an extra wind in the sail to know that the people who are trying to help are Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, Neil Young, Dave Matthews. I would want to know that I've got these iconic heroes, uh, American music that have these vast audiences. Uh, these guys, they, they don't just draw attention. They command attention. Sure. They've got uh, enormous uh, spreadability of, of information. And when you, you got that much megaphone behind your, your message, you stand a chance. So that's what I love about Farm Aid the most. That's what those guys have been doing for so many years. And, uh, and that's what I get to do. And Jack Johnson, Margo Price, Stapleton, the rest of us, we're, we're just offering up our voice uh, to theirs and to see if we can help in some small way that this, this should be a unified effort of every artist across the country to, to help our small family farmers survive. Absolutely. Well, I have to ask, Who's the inspiration behind Honky Tonk, but Donka Donk? <laughs> That's an important question. And I, I usually don't answer, but, but for you, I can tell you this. It, it depends on which one of the three uh, writers you're asking. Oh, uh, so there may be different inspirations. I can only tell you we were standing in the same place in the same <laughs> bar when, when that song title popped up and we weren't all looking in the same direction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how does one even come up with the name Badonkadonk? I mean, was that even a word before you made it a word? Yeah, I'm sure of it. It was kind of, it was a urban slang, I guess you could say. It it damn sure wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, better yet, does the person that has inspired the song even know that she's famous just for this particular asset, if you will? Well, if you ask the women in the country who have lined up to hear that song, they all know it's about them. (laughs) (laughs) And they're probably super proud about that, too. You're exactly right. And and they're all very correct. Yes. Well, so we've, we've been in the middle of a pandemic, of course, and we've talked about how that's affected farmers and ranchers and how it's been hard for everybody. But this has been also pretty hard on, on country artists because you guys go out, you make a living, you know, just being with your fans and hanging out, doing meet and greets and all that stuff. So how has this changed your year? Well, the meet and greet is officially a thing of the past yeah. until further notice. So, I mean, I, fans even know that, that, you know, even if, you know, my, one of my favorite things to do after a show was hang out, meet everybody that, that, you know, just like Willie used to do for us, that I'd hang around on the bus, grab a cup of coffee or so, go out there and sign for everybody that waited. It's it's kind of uh, sad to see that go, but it's also necessary, you know. You're still doing that, some shows though, right? We're doing some shows now. I, I try to make sure my shows are, are safe as we can possibly make them. I'm not saying anything's completely safe. Hell, going to the grocery store ain't safe. Right. I think music is just as necessary as what you're going to the grocery store to get. That 
a society without music is starving and sure. we've got to have music. And I don't mean sitting around in the house playing it on your iPod or your, or your iPhone or your stereo or whatever live music. It creates a live environment. There's something that happens live that doesn't happen anywhere else. There's always something that makes a, a live music experience unique. Uh, I see it every night. Every night that I'm on that stage, I, I see it happen. I feel it around me that people need that, that they need to see that creation of this sound. They need to see how it affects the people making the music. And they also need to hear and feel how it affects the other people out there in the crowd listening. That's half the magic of Farm Aid, being out there in the audience, listening to the music coming off that stage is powerful. It's, it's powerful. You can't recreate that with a record. You right. can't recreate that with any kind of digital format. That that live music environment is what feeds the soul. And I think people now need that more than ever, especially in 2020, especially in the midst of this pandemic. Do we need to figure out how to go and congregate in a live music format without getting each other sick? I think since March, the country has had an opportunity to spread the word about covid We've also, most of us uh, rode out a period of time where we didn't hardly leave the house. Yeah. And people are well aware. They're well aware that it's out there. They're well aware of the risks and they're educated. They know if you're going to a concert, wear a mask, bring your own hand sanitizer so you don't get sick. And I'm not saying everybody out there will honor that. If, uh, if you got somebody getting too close that won't honor that, get away from them. Get them away from you. That's right. Well, then the other thing, you know, I feel like, you know, for farmers, they're out there on the tractor. All we've got is music sometimes, eight, 10 hours a day. You're just listening to good music and you want to go see those artists that you've listened to on the tractor live in concert, but you also appreciate the artists keeping you company while you're driving or swapping hay. <laughs> That's right. That's a, it's a little bit of both, you know, I, I, I still, I've got a great record collection. I put them on all the time, but uh, would I rather listen to one of my records or would I rather go out there and catch a Willie Nelson show? I, I'll tell you right now, I'd go out there and catch the show. There's going to be something special there. So I know you've got a few shows coming up, but what else are you doing currently right now? Are you laying low? Um, not exactly. I'm laying high. <laughs> um, I took up a, well, I used the opportunity for, uh, you know, while we're not touring to go take flying lessons. And so <clears throat> I'm working on getting my private pilot's license and, uh, and I'm not too many hours away right now. So that ought to be happening soon. Right after that, going straight into multi-engine training and, uh, IFR training. Um, I'm using a ground school program. I'm pretty uh, proud of called M zero a, which is, uh, it's like a, online ground school it's uh it's taught in webinar format and uh <clears throat> and videos and thanks to m zero a I, I passed my written test easily that's I, awesome I, it, it was just almost effortlessly i think you got to have a 70 to pass i scored at 88 and look I at was, you overachiever yeah yeah 18 <laughs> extra points right there some some people might consider that a waste. I call it hedging my bets. That's exactly <laughs> right. Well, Jamie, before we let you go, what is what's your 
Like, what are you most proudest of? Is it a song that you've written? Is it a show you've done? Like, what do you think is your, your, one of your proudest moments that you could share with us today? This is a part in the movie where all of these scenes go flying by my brain all at the same time. My proudest achievement. Well, you could give us a highlight reel if you want. I guess it would be embodied in my daughter. That's amazing. Uh, Kylie. She, she's the best song I ever wrote. Does she know how cool you are? I say not. She probably doesn't care. Because <laughs> mine are seven. At what age do you feel like our kids start thinking we're cool? I'll Ever? let you know. Okay. I was going to say, you let me know. How, how old is your daughter? 16. Well, see, you're, well then you've gone through the, uh, the, the torment years. Man, I'm at the uh, place where I feel like it's always been good. Good. She's never gone through a multi-year mood swing where, where I was. <laughs> cast into the pit or anything you know uh, and I don't I don't think I'm there now I, I kind of feel like in a lot of ways I've I've had a roommate uh for the past 16 years you know I, I'm one of those parents I never did talk to her in baby talk or you know try to uh, minimize her vocabulary I've always talked to her the same way I'm talking to you right now so that's probably what bored her to death for 16 years <laughs> I can't imagine that you could even talk in baby talk with that voice that you have. Yeah, it, it only gets a little bit higher. Right, right. And now she can drive you around. So you're, you're winning on all cylinders. Yeah. My, my uh, dream back when she was a young and was someday she'll be old enough to drive me around to the bars. And, uh, and then I got old enough, quit drinking nine years ago. <laughs> And so that's out the window. Nine years sober, I still blow a point oh four. <laughs> <laughs> you did some work for a few years. <laughs> I still taste it when I burp. <laughs> well, Jamie, thank you so much for talking with us today. We appreciate you advocating for farmers and producers, and we just uh, hope you keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, ma'am. Good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and OklahomaFarmReport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.